Welcome, dear listener, to another Geeking on Sportscast. As always, my name is Kieran. Thank you, Alex, for being here. And we have our Habs insider, Olivier. Oh, how's it going, boys? <laughs> Thank you for having me. Always anytime, a pleasure. Anytime. And I mean, it, it's about time that we start you know, talking about the Habs. It's not been a great season thus far. It's been a tumultuous season, I would say. Um, you know, not a lot of positives going on, but, you know, let's, let's break it down. Let, let's start with their current season stats and form. Now, obviously, when we're looking at the current roster, uh, <laughs> well, we, we don't see many first team players, given that the majority of them are in either COVID protocol or injured long term injury reserve with, you know, Weber and then, you know, Price with the uh, players, so I can't remember what it was called. Substance players. abuse, yeah. Substance yeah. abuse program. Bobby Ryan was in it previously. And, yeah, yeah. So all to say, this is not your first team, but what do you make? What do you make so far of their season? This team looks like a a mediocre AHL team. <laughs> That's a bit harsh. Like, That's a bit. I, harsh. It's okay, harsh. But having watched them all season, it just you know, it, yeah. they. Uh, like the lineup is insane. Like you look at our first line, Drouin, Suzuki, Yolnin, you know, sure. If you call up Yolnin to put him up and down the lines. Right, right. But then so the next, who is Yolnin? Yeah. Yeah. I love one of you. our one of our prospects. Okay. How old is he? Okay, okay. <laughs> Dude, it's insane. He's uh let's find out. I mean, I'll I'll Google it. It's fine if you he like, but he was on. a he was one of our draft picks from a little bit ago, and he was doing well. One of the ones that we were hoping to potentially bring in as like bottom not bottom six forwards in the future. Yeah. Um, but now, like he's playing first line next to Nick Suzuki and Jonathan Loy because we have no one else to play. And then you go down that lineup, and like, you know, I recognize these guys by name because of a, I'm a Habs fan. But otherwise, like, n- like. It's insane. We only have three centers right now. You look at the lineup and there's like, there's only three centers. So Michael Pozzetta and Cameron Hills, Hillis are just hanging out with whoever else. Don't even get me started on their defense, right, especially right. now and, that and you're in your second and third line center, so to speak, are not exactly great centers oh either. My God. And Ryan, Ryan Paling and Cedric Pocket. So Ryan Paling is a really good fourth line centerman. As, as good as fourth line centers can go, because he's a guy who if you play him against other teams, fourth lines, he's got enough skill and like knowledge of the game to play well against those lines and like make a productive fourth line, not just be like a grinder, but also, yeah. like, you he's know, skilled. have some skill. Yeah. He's skilled. And wasn't he, he a first round? Out. Wasn't he a first round pick Olivier? He was, he was the late first rounder. I think I'll, I'll check. I'll check. But re- regardless, he's, one of those players that, like, the Habs fans, you know, we thought he was going to be a lot better. Yeah, 25th overall in 2017. Well, yeah. what, his three goals in his first game or something like that? Yeah, so he Four. got a hat trick. Was he it? got a hat trick, and then he scored in the shootout That's okay. to, to seal to seal the win against Toronto. That was pretty fun. That was pretty so, awesome. So Austin Matthews-esque against Ottawa, but didn't yeah. pan out. Not exactly, yeah. but And then on, on our wing, like left wing, Jonathan Drouin, Raphael Harvey-Pinard, which if you're a fan of the Habs and the Rocket, you know he's been kind of tearing it up in that league, playing really well. So he kind of was worth the call-up and, you know, could potentially see him being a second or third liner. But then Lucas Vigdemo and Michael Pozzetta. Pozzetta's just straight up a grinder. But he's got sick flow, but that's about all he's got going for him. <laughs> right, because that's what we need in hockey. 
Yeah. Yeah, we need more. We need more sick flow. <laughs> uh, and then like Cole Caulfield, Alex, Alex Belzeal is like 27, 28. Oh my god. Okay. He's like a career AHL guy, which I mean, good for him. I wish I could do that, but like he's getting the opportunity of a lifetime right now. And then Cameron Hillis is another one of our draft picks from the past few years that just has been playing okay. And now he's up here. Like they're just, they, they're being forced to take the best of the AHL team and send them up. Mm-hmm. And then our, our defense is God, this is something else, especially with Kale Clegg now going into protocols as well. We basically have Kulak, Savard, I think Niku's in protocols as well. Honestly, I think that's then, right. Yeah. Corey Shenaman. So we have three defensemen right now. So luckily we don't play until, oh, we're playing to, or we're, we're returning to on ice activities today. So they're probably going to have to call somebody up. Because as of right now, we have three defensemen. One would hope. One would hope. Oh, God. Well, it was funny because before the whole, before the whole team was put in either LTIR or COVID protocols and stuff like that, there was a clip going around Twitter of, they were playing Armia as a defenseman during some of the practices. And I was like, why? What? Like, yeah, he's a big guy, but what is going on here? We're going to Brent Burns him. Yeah. God. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, go, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say. Long story I, short. It's yeah, been yeah. a bad form since the beginning. Go ahead, Alex. Has there been any, like, signature win? Like, any, like, oh, this was a great win. I know they only have seven this year, which is a lot. Yeah. Um but uh, like I it said, had I'm signature not. almost wins. <laughs> wow, that's that's really sad. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about this team so far this year? Is there like one Let's player see. that excited? I'd like to bring up. Do you yeah, yeah. do you think this team, you know, if everyone were healthy, would actually be competent? Like if you had Weber and Price and uh, Hoffman. I mean, I wouldn't say Hoffman necessarily, but I don't know the full. I mean, you, you know, Petrie. Weber and Price would make a huge difference, just because those two guys are like, like well, they're your leaders. Exactly. They're even if they're not playing super super well, guys are just happy to have them on the ice, and like it may, it changes the whole dynamic in the locker room. Like when the guys went to play out in the Pacific and they got to actually see Weber. Everybody was elated and they were all super happy. I don't think they won that game. No, they lost. But, like, they were just still happy to be there and it changed the mood. The next game they played, they won 4 nothing. right? Our best win is probably 4 nothing to the Sharks. Mm-hmm. That's probably the best game we've had. Or when we beat the Red Wings 3 nothing. But, again, it's the Red Wings. They're going to be good eventually. Yeah. They got it's, a lot of young prospects. I, I would, I would say though, on the Weber thing, like everything I've read or heard about it, it doesn't sound like coming back to hockey is imminent. No, he's or, he's done. So, like, he's I feel sure like done. I feel like with you know, obviously, you know, we can speculate about what happened to Price, but that's more of a kind of mental health issue or mm-hmm. substance abuse. So, like, you wouldn't imagine, like, you imagine him being back, and you know, whenever that kind of figures itself out, but. That might not be this year, but you could see him being back next year. Well, with Weber, I, I don't know if I don't think Weber's going to be coming back. Yeah, so not with the the kind of injury he was. Yeah, and the age he was on. He had and, and yeah, exactly. So, but I, I do think this team to start the year was you know obviously they had setbacks with the No and Cockneyemi, and then obviously the two mm-hmm. guys just mentioned, but they were still really underperforming, and they had a mostly healthy lineup. So, yeah. I do think it'd be really kind of 
you know, tough to blame it on Ducharme and, and that just because it's been such a bad year, but they were playing bad before kind of COVID and then everyone got injured and, and everything else. It's hard to put it on Ducharme because if you look at the roster of like the game five Stanley Cup team and you look at the roster of opening game this year, they're so different. Mm-hmm. There's very, very little is the same. We went from the Habs like six to eight years ago were like, okay, all of our centermen are not good. Like Thomas Plakanik is gone. So we need to find more centermen. So they drafted and traded for and got and tried just random people at center. They're like, we'll get Galchenyuk in there. We'll put Troyes at center just to see what happened. And we finally had with Kotkaniemi, Dano, uh, Suzuki, and like Paling and or, you know. Evans. Yeah, like Jake Evans, one of those guys as your fourth kind of guy. They were like, okay, we have like a not super, super elite, but like a solid four centerman that you can feel confident running like the first yeah. three against basically any other front line because they're all like shut down centermen that maybe aren't going to put up the points, but are going to have a lot of good defensive metrics. And then Denu has gone, Kotkaniemi's gone. So all of a sudden you have like, cool, Nick, now is your time to shine. And Nick Suzuki's a great player, but he's not there yet. Well, he's not there as like the big number one center. Maybe he yeah, won't ever. He's be. not getting much help in the back end either. I mean, no, none at all. <laughs> I don't then, think his his minus fifteen is is indicative of his poor play. I think it's more there's very little help that he has, and he's mm-hmm. given the most. He's given all the defensive responsibilities. He's uh, given all the big shifts. He's yeah. like, hey man, go out there and go like go play against Sydney. Go play against Patrice Bergeron. <laughs> like. When Dano's back in town, it's like, yeah, go win faceoffs against Dano. Like, have fun. Go go win against like an underrated Selkie guy over what and I, over again. What I would say is like they are last in scoring, and like as you mentioned, look at the lineup. Like, it's not. It's not I mean, Arizona is yeah. really bad, but they haven't been hit with injuries as much. Um, and and Buffalo's been surprising, but I think considering he has 19 points in 34 games, Suzuki does, yeah. and this team has no one around. I don't think it's like a bad. Like, I think it's kind of regressed a little bit, but at the start of the year, he was kind of like a, you know, point, you know, 0.75 point per game kind of guy, which is pretty good, mm-hmm. uh, which is like, what, a 50, 60 point guy on a really bad team that can't score. Right? And like, if you, if you look at the guys who haven't played many games, like, because of, you know, the fact that they've been out for so long, like, yeah, Suzuki, 34 games, 19 points. You know, it's not fantastic, but it's definitely all right for this team, how, the, how it's playing. Yeah. Like, Dwayne, 17 points in 27 games. That's pretty good. Not awful. And he started pretty good and then kind of waned in the middle. Tyler Toffoli, 17 points, 26 games. Josh Anderson had 13 points. Josh Anderson had seven goals in 25 games for us, which is better than last year. Even yeah. Christian Dvorak, 12 points, you know. Like, we have guys putting up points. Ish, yeah. Right at the beginning. Yeah ish again yeah like it was starting to look okay yeah because you would look at the way the team played and like from game to game it was different every time but like every once in a while they had a game where everybody clicked and everything worked together and everybody did their job mm-hmm. and it was awesome which is the same thing that i like kept preaching last year during the playoffs it's like man when all four lines are rolling and you can trust every guy on the ice to make the right play and do the right thing to put the puck in the net it doesn't matter how good everybody is or which guy has 150 points mm-hmm. by the time, you know, you know, by the time the playoffs come around, like when we had a bunch of guys that were putting up a decent amount of points each, you know, we were all okay with it mm-hmm. because it was producing results. 
right now we're having like even when they were playing it's like one guy would go off one game like Hawaii would score two goals and an assist and then we'd lose like seven three it's like all right well it doesn't matter like (laughs) yeah yeah like a lot of our losses are a majority by two or more goals I, I would say with you guys, like the, you know, I think Drew and, you know, we'll talk about trades and stuff. I think he's actually been quite good this year. Um, and there is agree said about maybe trading him and, and we'll get into that later. But at the same time, I thought Cole Caulfield, even with all of the circumstances, he's been super underwhelming this year, considering how well he played in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. He's one goal in 26 games and yeah. He's a goal scorer. It's not as though he's like a playmaker, right? So that I think, um, I think they were smart to put him in the AHL for a bit um, to kind of gain some confidence. He played decent down there, but I'm a bit worried about his kind of, you know, how much is this going to hurt him long term, just being so poor at the NHL level and, and not being, mm-hmm. you know, lose all the confidence maybe that he gained uh, during the playoffs. Yeah, because even in the playoffs, when he wasn't putting it in the net, he was still playing well. Yeah, yeah. What's uh, that's one thing that a lot of uh, a lot of you know fans and the discord the discourse that happens is between Dom and Cole. It's not like there's no visible friction or anything like that, but you see him being put in situations where you don't think he's primed for success. Like, like when you have a blue chip prospect like that, you put him. Like you put him on the power play, you don't put him on the bumper. You put him right at the top, and you just let him shoot. You bring the puck to him, and just tell him, just yeah, just shoot, man. We're on the power play. Just take shots. If you have a nice shot, take it. You yeah. Know, don't wait too long. Just put pucks on net. Because when he was playing in situations where, really similar to when uh, when Jonathan Dwayne was tearing up the queue and stuff like that, when you when Cole Caulfield was put in situations where he knew he was better, quote unquote, than everybody else already. He tore it up. Six mm-hmm. games in Laval, five points. Two games last year in Laval, four points. Like, because he goes to Laval, he goes, yeah, I'm better than everybody on the ice. And then he shows it. Yeah. But if you bring him up to the NHL level, he's not better than everybody, but he's better than some of these guys where he can at least put up, you know, a fight. But there seems to be that, like, lack of confidence for it. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Um, maybe he was the best forward on that cup run team maybe that's what you're trying to say that's why you oh, played. <laughs> definitely i mean <laughs> maybe not than suzuki but yeah i know what you mean i don't know man Corey perry was playing pretty good <laughs> he's doing real he's doing I well mean, right now i, mean, I miss Corey. having perry, a good man. season at tampa right now yeah the mm-hmm. one the one tampa habs game i watched he scored in like the last minute and i was like nah, i'm done i turned it off and i was like we're gonna lose no t it doesn't matter i turned it off i was like we're done <laughs> Already, Let, let's talk parody. a bit about the front office situation. You know, with with Mark Bergevin being fired and Jeff Gordon being hired as the, if I'm not mistaken, the new president of hockey operations. Yeah. Um, what do you expect will happen for the remainder of the season? And, you know, what changes do you expect will be made, or what would you like to be? What would you like to see for the, uh, I guess, for the remainder of the season, but then also in the off season. So Bergevin, I personally, I really like Bergevin. He brought a lot of interesting ideas to the team. He always, he made big moves. And while like some of them blew up in his face, if you look at his like entire trade history, he made some pretty solid trades overall. Yeah. And some okay draft picks. I was going to say the draft pick 
the most recent yeah. bit. Uh, yeah, well, don't him have to and Trevor Timmons. It. And then, yeah, I yeah. reinstated that. Anyways, but Gorton, I'm hoping Gorton kind of takes like a different approach where he goes, we're going to step back a little. We know this season is basically done. So there's no point in doing something stupid at the deadline. Not that Montreal has been known to make like crazy moves at the deadline. We don't really... Well, yes I, and no. But like, I think of the Thomas Vanek trade, but that's but even then, that's it, was, that, it wasn't that even was that bad. Ago. It wasn't, it wasn't that, that bad. It no. wasn't even that bad in retrospect. It wasn't trading Tatar for a first, second, and third, and then like benching him for half the playoffs. I know, yeah. <laughs> Which then we we saw that and went, oh, we'll take Tatar, and then immediately did the same thing. But that's a whole different story. <laughs> but yeah, so I would like to see Jeff Gordon just like slow things down. You know, take assets that are worth something that won't be in our interest to hold on to because the team is like we're not contenders we're nowhere near that we're like you know one bad game from like basically a full rebuild like if Kerry comes back and announces that he's retiring that's it Habs are rebuilding for like three years done instantly and the second he actually retires after his contract it's the same thing unless we find like unless Caden Primo rediscovers I don't know that unless Caden Primo like finds Kerry Price's pads over like uh, an electric phone line and then puts them on and suddenly turns amazing but i don't think that's gonna happen mm-hmm. so i'd like to see jeff gordon slow things down work with our draft picks because we have a decent amount of draft picks montreal's been okay at holding on to those and not just dumping them for no reason our draft pick this year that we traded away is somewhat protected but so, don't, you, don't you have one at the same time we have carolinas and our own yeah and we give Arizona whichever one's highest outside of the top ten. Yeah. So if so, they're right. and if they're both top ten, we give them the worst of the two. Yeah, but Carolina is going to make the playoffs. So like. Yeah. So basically, you're giving Carolina's pick. Yeah, we're hoping that we end up top ten, which is pretty likely at this point. So that pick's protected, and then we give Arizona like here, have fun with your twenty seventh pick. Have later, yeah. boys. Yeah. And then, yeah, we have three third round picks. We have two fourths. We have two sevenths. Like, and the rest of our picks, we all have them. So mm-hmm. there's the potential that, like, if something really interesting comes up in the draft, and Jeff Gordon has been shown to draft relatively well. Well, he gets a lot of, he gets lucky in the draft. Yeah. That, yeah that's the first overall that's picks. That's and fine. second, like, first yeah. and second. Yeah. Like, bring me lucky picks. I'm totally okay with it. Like, I don't and care if he gets them. And you're also in the year where, like, you guys are so bad that it's actually likely, you know what I mean? Like right now but, you're the worst or second worst team, probably not bumping off that. Don't so, we wish it was next year though? Like nothing against Shane Wright. That guy could angle the shit out of me any day of the week, but like Connor Bedard is already touted as such a bigger prospect. Yeah. And, and the Mishkov guy, I can't. Well, the thing uh, about Mishkov is that he's has a six year contract with his KHL team. So no he would only be allowed to come to the Ooh. NHL by the age of 23 ish, which, which would have been similar to what Kaprasov had. By then, you're getting, instead of a prospect, you're getting a NHL getting a roster player. guy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we can talk about the draft of like, I think we can go into that now or, or a little bit in the future, but you can break those kind of contracts. It's just, you have a buyout and like the Habs make enough money to normally oh, yeah. buy out. A, yeah. So I went, the Molson I went, family, they'll, worth keep, it? they'll keep throwing beer money. I, th- at that. I think matter. if you get like an, like that kid looks sick too, like Bedard, I think you do it in a heartbeat. If 
Like that might mean that he might not come till he's 20, but if he's that good, I doubt he stays in Russia for like more than a year or two. And like, yeah, because he's on contract. What? But he's on contract. He can't leave his contract. There's no buyout. You, you, like you can, you like you. There, there. It's happened before. It's not. It's not the only time a Russian has been on a contract and then they've like found a way to to get through it. But it is something that could happen for sure. But I, I, I wouldn't be as worried about it. But it is a a complication. I would say, of course. Um. So that'll be an interesting. That'll be interesting next year when there's the Connor versus Mish debate or whatever and yeah the who gets the first second yeah yeah, yeah. do you think they but, do uh somebody trades up to get both picks that would <laughs> a good be old, a good old henrik henrik top picks anymore um like not that high um but it's no i i think the the interesting thing with gordon is if you look at the rangers this year they're basically the team he built right like he was oh, yeah. able to get Panarin, mm-hmm. which you know, I think Panarin wanted to go to New York, but still he got him. And, and the contract, even though it's so high, he's definitely been worth it. And yeah. you know, they've been underwhelming the years he were he was there, but he finally put them in a rebuild, and the Rangers hadn't rebuilt in like 20, 30 years. And that might be yeah. something he does here. I mean, I mean, this year, obviously, they're not they're gonna they're gonna be a bad team this whole year, but it'll be probably next year to too. Yeah, That's it'll be real. interesting to see how he moves next year. Do they still kind of trade away like players that can give them assets back, or do they kind of, you know, keep the status quo and say, "Oh, it was just a like a lost year. Let's be a good team next year." It'll be I, interesting. I don't know, but Bergevin, also Bergevin was the one that was always like, "This team is like Bergevin was throwing the name around." It's like the Montreal Canadiens are always a playoff team. It's like, yeah, like sure but like sometimes they're not <laughs> like you got to think about it that like you can't always be a playoff team even the teams now that we see are like a dynasty they don't last yeah you have you have good years for sure and it can last a long time and it can feel like forever chicago being one of them but there comes a point where like now chicago ain't doing too hot you know yeah no yeah. they need a rebuild i would say also when gm starts saying that we need to be a playoff team i always question are you prioritizing just making to the playoffs or are you actually trying to compete for a Stanley cup? Cause there's a difference. Oh like yeah. Minnesota sure. wild were a playoff team for years, but they never had it to get past the you know second round. I mean, the same thing was said about Washington until they actually, mm-hmm. you know, got through the second round and actually won it. Although I, I, I'd, I'd probably say that Washington team was more stacked than the Minnesota, but there's oh, a difference yeah. between playoff team and actual cup contender. I, yeah, and I think weirdly enough, like I don't want to hate on the Canucks, but I think that was kind of the problem is that it you're was. making you're making short term decisions is great. You can make the playoffs, but are you gonna be destined for success long term or even I mean kind of short term? If you're you know, like if you're the Tampa Bay Lightning last year, right? They trade their first round pick for Savard, right? Who's now obviously we've mentioned, but like that's like the 30th overall pick. It's not a you know a high, high value pick. And who cares? You just won the cup last year. You're like, yeah, this is go another, for it again. Your right? core is still together. You're clearly exactly. a cup contender. But if you're, you know, let's say the uh, Vancouver Canucks and you haven't made the playoffs in a while, is it really smart to trade your first round pick? Now, JT Miller, that we can talk about that, that trade hasn't looked as bad. But at the same time, mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of, I think, with the, I think with the Habs, they, they wouldn't really trade first round picks, but they'd make 
win now moves under Bergevin. And I never felt, even last year, we, you know, we don't have to hate on that team. They made the finals. Good for them. They but they, their... they, they got, they just kind of got a bit lucky. If they had won the cup, that would be the worst team probably to win the cup in like. Oh my God. Time. In so yeah. long. Yeah. Oh my right. God. So, and, and it would have been, if they won the cup, it would have been. Carey Price won the Montreal Canadiens. Like cup Patrick, and... I think Patrick Wad, the first year he played as a rookie, won the cup with the yeah. Lats, and mm-hmm. that team was like absolute garbo, and he won yeah. like on Smythe. It'd be like that, basically. Yeah, it's same idea. So I just with this team, I think they really do need a rebuild. Um, I the interesting thing is because they like sign like Bergevin would always sign guys, good players, but probably overpriced like look at Hoffman no offense to Armia I think he's a good player too but just those yeah, kind of contracts Armia, that are Armia got the bag and yeah, yeah. good for him but to long kind of kind of Benning-esque maybe not better players than Jim Benning would sign but kind of guys that make you a good team but don't make you a great team right and yeah I, I think for this Habs team if they can just take a like obviously this year they're gonna suck but Next year, I think they should still trade players, um, and we'll get into that a bit later. But and and honestly, I'd I'd want a different coach. But that's it's 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 crazy because they have like okay, what are what are we on right now? We're on we're on the front office, yeah. So like, Bergevin has either these like really good value contracts or just like he just put a bag, he just put a check on the table and said write a number, and, <laughs> and you can do whatever you want, right? Because they have guys like. Arturi Lekkanen at 2.3 million. Nobody has any problems with that because everybody knows how good he is on the penalty kill and everybody knows how he can come up in a clutch situation and takes up a small portion of their cap. And like, as much as I don't think Sidley Pocket is a good player anymore or was realistically for 950k, what he, we thought he could bring to the team was fair. But then he turns around and signs Mike Hoffman for four and a half million until 2023. Like, Thanks what are no you doing? Time. And then, like, there's other, like, like David Savard gets 3.5. I would much rather have David Savard at 3.5, even if he's going to be 35 by the time his contract ends, because he's just a smarter, you know, the way he plays the game is a little more long-lasting than Mike Hoffman. Yeah, and Mike right. Hoffman is a completely one like one dimensional player. He's oh yeah, Mike Hoffman. Power play, he can score goals, and that's about it. He's a horrible defensive player, and he's not even doing that right now. Like he's not he's not doing great in that. Yeah, he's not putting period. up like twenty goals or something. And like if David Savard by the end of it is just like he just turns into a big pylon that tends to run into guys, that's you know and, it's something that's easier to live with than having an elite talent forward not putting pucks in the net. Yeah, no. Um, I guess I just before I think I completely agree with what you said. I think we could maybe just move forward to one question. I I, I want to ask you about the coach. Do you think this is the right coach for the team? We've no. talked about it before. No, okay. Um, I, I, I why is that? <laughs> Dom Duchamp is just he's like the president's choice version of <laughs> our previous coach. Yeah. It's yeah. the same idea. It's kind of the same like old school boys club mentality where like as when he started coaching them, <laughs> it worked because, you know, a new fresh idea always kind of brings some results. But like you break it down, you look at the same thing. It's like, all right, boys, you get that puck for longer than like three seconds on your stick without chipping it down the ice. You're getting benched. 
So yeah. guys are getting rid of the pucks like this. It's like, man, I could play in that team. Yeah. I'll, I'll dump it every single time. You watch me. Give me a stick. Give me on there. Yeah. But there's just no – they chip the puck in. They chase the puck. Maybe they win the puck battle. Sure. And then they turn around, and there's nobody coming down. Yeah. There's one guy – you know, Gallagher's in front of the net. We all know that. But, like, you don't have anybody making – doing anything dynamic. It's like if you ever play that game, you know, the ice hockey, but, like, they're all on the sliders. Yeah. Yeah, it's like that's what they do in practice, and they're only allowed to move in those specific spots. You can't go anywhere else. The L-shaped sliders. Good yeah, Lord. exactly. It's like, all right, you're allowed to go left, and you're allowed to go right. But if I, I swear to God, if I see you guys going the other way, and then same thing with like just as a uh, as a coach being a new kid, I can understand why they're losing confidence and stuff like that because more than one player has come out and said, "Well, I was scared that if I made a mistake, I'd get benched." Victor mm-hmm. Mete, when he went to Ottawa, was like, it's such a relief to be able to play and not be scared about getting benched the second Isn't he getting I make a mistake. Benched, though? I mean, he uh, was, but like... No, he's, I think he's talking about in Ottawa. Uh, yeah. yeah, in Ottawa. Yes yeah. and no. He hasn't been very good, but he hasn't been... He hasn't been approaching. good, but he was at least in Ottawa. Like, they gave him a God's honest chance. Like, dude, you know, if you see something, try it. Yeah, yeah. No, right? I mean, like, it took him over 100 right. games to score a goal in Montreal. And then he went to Ottawa and scored like, I don't know, 15 games in. Yeah, I know. Not that saying that that's an yeah. indicating, that's not an indication of anything, but like he was given more chances to, sorry, I realize that's me. He was given more chances to actually do things, mm-hmm. right? And even Kotkaniemi didn't directly say it, but he was like, well, he doesn't have to be scared. It's definitely easier with him in Carolina because he's playing under a more sheltered system. Yeah, and that team's really good. Yeah. Oh my god, they're awesome. But like again, still like kids not wanting to play or make mistakes, that's potentially we don't know for sure, but like Caulfield could be not taking shots because he's worried that he's gonna rip one, it's gonna miss, he's gonna wing all the way against the boards the other way, it's gonna be two on one going the other way, and then Shalom's gonna sit his ass on the bench for the next game. Yeah. And I get that. So when you do that and you're Caulfield and you have the puck of the power play or something. Or you just don't get the puck. You just pass it out. And then mm-hmm. if you keep passing it out and they never send it to you, you can watch most of the Habs power plays when Caulfield's on the ice and he's just sitting there, probably close to being just left alone, and the puck <laughs> never makes its way to him. Yeah. The puck never comes his way. The puck goes to the point where Jeff Petrie just, you know, tries to break the glass <laughs> or something else, just, a, you know, they send it back in the corner and lose it behind the net. Yeah. They're not getting a lot of high danger opportunities. Yeah. None. They're not getting any high danger opportunities. But that's those are my thoughts on the coach. Long story short, get him out of here. I mean, we don't have to. I think we are, we already talked about the the the, the whole French uh, French speaking coach. Oh um, God, I, I don't. I hope under Gordon, as he cannot speak a, a lick of French, although he did try in his press conference. Um, right, and that's all that. Like as a French Canadian, right. I personally. Don't give a shit if the coach speaks French or English. If he can communicate with the players, I don't care. If they all use sign language on the bench, power to them. Well, I mean, most of the players on the bench won't even speak French anyway, right? Yeah. Like, you cannot tell me that as much as I like him, Arturi Lekkanen understands French. Maybe he does at this point because he's been in the team. You get a fresh guy come right in, you know, and English is probably the language. I think, you know, we like it's more political thing, but like I do think the French language is really important for a lot of Quebecers. Um, so I get it to an extent and 
And, yeah, but you're and, just limiting yourself. No, no, no. I completely agree. Like the only coach I thought, and I talked about it before, was I thought Gal- Gallant would have been perfect for that. Gerard Gallant would have been perfect. Perfect. But, but, where, where is he now? Where is he now? Rangers, right? There and you I, go. I don't think did Gordon hire him. I don't think so. Probably. I think, got, I think he got fired. Was Gallant there last year? No, he wasn't. No. So, so regardless of that whole situation, like. For me, what they're doing right now, I think, is a decent idea. If it's what I think it is, we're like, this is Jeff Gordon's hockey team, but and then whoever they hire in front of it is like still going to be there to make decisions, of course. But like, is the face of the team? Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know? yeah, yeah. No, no, no. And it's you know the Raptors do this. Like, it's not the only right. Like, it's sport front office that has you know a president who's really the decision maker. But yeah, like Masai makes all the decisions. Yeah. But Bobby Webster, their GM, yeah, Bobby Webster's is always GM. at the press conferences, always talking to the media way more than. But that's Masai. because Masai is too busy trying to make his BlackBerry work again. Yeah, <laughs> that's why Bobby's out there and and save the world. Um, yeah. So I guess you know we'll we'll see if Ducharme stays on for, for after this year. I, I think they probably will just because you like as much as I agree with everything you said about Ducharme, it doesn't really make it's kind of weird to farm after this year. And then making the Stanley Cup Finals. Um, you just also topics, right? to be to be perfectly fair to him, like as much as I don't think he's the right fit, like give him a, a chance with yeah. a not garbage team and yeah, see and, what happens. And right? like next COVID. year, yeah, yeah. next and year maybe he'll have switched up something or like something will start clicking and like the D is going to start you know communicating and working well together. Who knows? So benefit of the doubt, but I doubt he he lives out his contract. Yeah. Not lives out. I doubt he plays out his contract it's an extension essentially um uh so let, let's move on to kind of draft prospects and, and and you know obviously right now the the habs are what they're technically second but point per, points on points percentage they're they're last um yeah. is there 16 percent odds you don't have to go into like in like incredible depth but is there one like prospect that you know maybe isn't maybe is playing on the team right now because they've been so decimated but that you really like kind of that you've been thinking about and kind of um, really rate him highly. And then we might just do this for the fans and for Olivier, we'll do a little tankathon on uh, .com. We're sponsored by them and, uh, and just do a quick mock draft and, and see where the Habs end up. I, also, uh, what do you want from this upcoming draft? Not a specific player, but like, what does your team need? Like position. Okay. So in order, uh, the only prospect that I can be remotely enthusiastic about right now is Caden Gooley. Yeah. Just because, A, the highlights are really fun to watch of him just absolutely dumping guys on the ice. <laughs> uh, and he's been playing surprisingly a lot better since he got traded to the Oil Kings. Because mm-hmm. Prince Albert doesn't really have a great team, but the Oil Kings definitely are. So he's been playing a lot better, three points in three games, which is really surprising. But, um, yeah, he's the only one that I'm excited for because he can at least be a pick that we have that was like, you know, we can put it in the good pile. We can put him in the probably going to make the NHL, you know, second pair, maybe first pair defenseman, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, a positive in this season of not many of those. Mm -hmm. And realistically, he was playing well in the World Juniors, not doing anything crazy, but just being a big defenseman. And looking at him on the ice, he's a smart, he knows what he has. He knows he's like, I'm a big guy. I'm going to hit the other guys. And it's like, nice. Thanks, Caden. You keep doing that. Yeah. And it works out. So, you know, if he can be a cornerstone D, like our, you know, second pairing, maybe first pairing for the next, you know, five to six years, I'm happy with that. Yeah. And 
out of the list of prospects that we have, you know, a lot of them are tearing up the queue. Uh, tearing up the queue doesn't really mean much, at least to me, unfortunately. Or the OHL, same thing. Yeah. So I mean, I I would say with the Caden Gooley, like he was t- like you know the captain of the World Junior team, and we'll we'll talk mm-hmm. about World Juniors a bit later. But um, you know, clearly a leader, right? Yeah, he definitely has and, has leadership, which is nice. And like I'm just looking at his WHL stats, like they're not eye popping, but he's almost a point a game player this year, which is what you'd like to see because I think the you know we talked about this off the uh, off the pod, but. That, you know, I think with him, <clears throat> it's more what's his offensive ceiling, like how good a playmaker and, you know, how good he's a pretty good at zone exits, but how good of oh, an yeah. offensive player is he? Right. Yeah. He's, if, he's he got... be, if he can be like a 30 to 40 point guy consistently, then, wow, you have a maybe a, like a top pair defenseman. If yeah. he's more like I have a big slap shot and I get points from just, you know, my rebounds that get buried. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, yeah then, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, he's still a top, you know, top four defenseman, but maybe not, you know, as high as uh, you'd like, maybe. Yeah, for me, um, it's Caden Gooley and then Sean Farrell again. Same with last year, where he just absolutely was tearing it up. Mm -hmm. Now he's in uh, NCAA, 17 points in 12 games. That's pretty good to me. He can play center. We'll take it. So I'm excited to see him eventually make his way here. He's playing with Harvard right now. So mm. playing pretty well. As far as like what we want in the future, if I look at our not injured roster, the one that has actual players on it, we really need, it, it depends. If, if Caden Gooley can step up his game and prove that he's like a solid, solid first pairing defenseman, Honestly, we'll take anything. Like we can take a goal scorer that yeah. can actually put the puck in the net, or just get another solid defenseman, mm-hmm. like a nice, like a puck moving, like put goals in the net defenseman would be really nice. Because Montreal yeah. has the habit of like getting guys that have a good first pass and then nothing else. Yeah, right. So if Kale McCarr ever wants to move, come on over, buddy. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, anybody like that would be awesome because all of our guys are big, like David Savard, Alexander Romanov. Even Brett Kulak and Kale Clay, those last two are a bit better, but they're all just like very defensive defensemen. Yeah. yeah. Get Samuel Girard, trade from, make it happen. Yeah, that's one thing too, but I wouldn't trade for him until the, you're the asking is pretty big, probably. Oh, yeah. Also, there's, like no point, yeah. there's no point getting him for so, like, what are we going to do with him next year? Nothing. So I'm going to run the, the draft simulator and we'll have a player that comes out that I probably won't know because the Habs will probably pick like fourth and I've never seen this guy. So <laughs> in three, and right now it says you guys have the top odds for Shane Wright. So let's yeah. see. three, two, one. And you guys won. You have just acquired Shane Wright. Uh, Perfect. Congratulations. You found a woeful center um, that you guys always are needed. That's assuming they draft. Shane. Yeah, maybe after the World Junior appearance, maybe he slips down. I still am a bit no. surprised. Uh, yeah, surprised. me too. He's been pretty good in Kingston on a decent team. So, um, yeah. So, congratulations. Really... You have your. You now have a pillar of Nick Suzuki and Shane Wright going up uh, as your top six for for the next decade. So, congratulations. That would be. That would be fantastic. Yeah. Who's slated to go like second and third? Um, it's kind of all over the place. Um, on this, I don't think they've updated it, but they have okay. a guy from Slovakia, a guy from Finland, then a couple Canadians. 
Are they like Connor forwards? DC, Matt, yeah, they're all forwards. Oh, the first okay. defenseman oh, I find is at eight right now. But oof, yeah. So um, that means it's gonna there's gonna be a lot of decent defensemen towards the middle of the draft. Then yeah, yeah. There's a lot of Europeans that are slated to go high in this this uh, yeah this draft. Yeah. Not a lot of Canadian players or, or American. There's a few American, but not, not a lot. I don't of know if this has anything to do with it, but would like, did all the Europeans team, European teams and stuff have to stop playing as much as the Canadians? Not as much as here, at, at least not as much as Canadians. The Americans wouldn't have been affected by it as much unless they were playing in the O, but yeah. Um, so they, they've been playing hockey essentially mostly through the pandemic. Um, yeah. Cause I think it's going to lead to just kind of like last year, the draft where like anything past like the second round is just a, a dart toss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just go for it and like we'll have, the I'm sure next, like with the 2021 draft class, which which wasn't kind of super highly touted, but you're gonna have like that guy was in the seventh round, right? And then he turns out mm-hmm. to be you know, Pavel yeah, exactly. or something. Like yeah. I'm not saying maybe not that good, but you'll find guys that were drafted in the sixth, seventh round that are will be great because they just played four games that year, right? And there's there's so much you can yeah. do. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, and, it's like e- even just last year's draft. Like, yeah, that's one. Some yeah. of the guys that you didn't think would be doing so well, like Seth Jarvis at thirteen, could have probably been higher. Man, that sends pick just kills me right now. But let let's not talk about that. Wait, who, who'd you pick? Who'd you pick? Let's go, Tyler Boucher. He had three points in eighteen games. It was at a good college, but three points. Uh anyways. Um, where did you guys? Where did you guys pick him? Tenth. Seth Jarvis went thirteenth. Uh, I, I, that was the worst pick. Wait, well, like David Pasternak being like, what was it? Thirteenth overall? No, later. Yeah. It would have been later, like that. You're yeah. uh, you're thinking of a different draft, Alex. No, no, Tyler Boucher. I'm saying we've we've he's already a bust. That's oh, what when, no, the draft that I'm looking at, what 2020 entry draft? No, 2021. We've already. Yeah, had I'm talking. One. Draft, yeah, I know. Seth 2021, 2020. 2021 uh, literally, there was no OHL, there was no like Q. That's what I'm saying. Like, at least with the 2020 draft, like their season ended in March, so they still played like mm-hmm. most of a season. Like, the 2021 draft class, most of them didn't play like a real year, you know. So, mm-hmm. that's 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 what I'm saying, basically. I mean, both are affected, but um, one more so than the other, in my opinion. Do you guys want let's move let's move on to like we've done the draft we're we're all good with that. Let's let's just talk about what you guys what you want to do with their assets moving forward and players that they maybe should trade and sell off. Um like obviously Ben Sherratt, everything I've heard you guys are getting a first round pick so congratulations. If anybody offers a first just take it. Just no, take apparently it. it's Sherratt? multiple teams offering first round what? picks. Have they because Have they watched of any year. of his footage from before they've, last year? <laughs> they've watched his playoff footage. That's why. Because for oh, some reason, yeah. playoff hockey is absolutely completely different than the regular season, which I, I still mean, don't in the playoffs, he turned it on. Some, well, like, he was just more physical. He was just hitting yeah. more. Like his hits went up like two more a game, which I guess works. But yeah. So if we have any assets that we can, it depends on what Gordon wants to do. If he wants to, you know, sell the team and like get as many picks and assets as he can for upcoming drafts and like hope that he can find something good in there. Yeah. If you can develop enough scouting to do that, well then I don't see why not. Cause 
I mean, I was looking through your roster. You don't really have a lot of UFAs. Like the Sherrod's the only one. Like Kulak as well. You'll probably trade just for like a, a seventh or, or or a fifth round pick kind of thing. Yeah. But Sherrod, you're gonna get a first round pick. It sounds like Friedman, Drager. They've all been saying like there's a big lineup for him. Yeah. Um, which is good for you because I don't think he's worth first round pick and like to I save my life. Do um, not think so. Yeah, but good for you. Um, I would say I think because you don't have so like that many like you know decent players that are UFAs other than really Sherrod, um, and a lot of your guys have been signed long term as we've mentioned with Bergevin who love to 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 just sign guys to four year five contract. six years yeah yeah. Um, would you want to trade Drouin? Because for me that's the one guy he has a one year left on his deal. He's been playing pretty well this year. Um, the problem is he has a big cap hit um, considering just because you don't really know how good he is. And also, you know, with the, the cap constraints with it not going up, it's harder to, to trade a big. Um, yeah. I, f- but- I feel like that, that cap hit can be like, he's it, it's, it's, it's confusing because with Montreal, he's been putting up good points relatively. Yeah to make it like, you know, he's worth the money for us right now. But mm-hmm. I feel like that cap hit can look silly if he goes to a, a like a way better team next year. Yeah. yeah, He could play really, really well if he put, again, in a little more sheltered minutes. Like, he has the skill to do it. Right? Like, yeah. if he goes to, like, a competitive team that put him as, like, a second-line winger, mm-hmm. like a third-line winger with other good players, he can definitely make that cap hit look silly. Yeah. I, I mean, like I, a 20 goal scorer, easily. Honestly, like because of everything that's happened, I'd eat his contract for next year. I'd, I'd take half. If, like, if, let's say if the team's like, we'll give you a first if you eat his, like, eat this. Eat half his contract. Yeah. Uh, we definitely I, I'd take do that, that in a heartbeat. Like, he's yeah. a good player, but why do you need him now? You know? No, we, especially like, like I like anything is like, he's not that, like, he could be part of a rebuild. Yeah. yeah. He's 26. But, he could be part of, re, of a rebuild, but with guys like, Cole and Nick Suzuki who are 21 and 22 and then other young players like if you want to keep Romanov who's 22 like you need to make a decision at some point at what point do you start cutting guys off and then yeah. really just focusing on younger players well he, he's not really um, part of the core that's the thing though I, I feel like no. that's your decision making right? because okay. he's because he's been in and out so much because of injuries and stuff like that he hasn't really shown himself as part of the core like right now, the core players is like you got Brandon Gallagher, Cole, Nick but Suzuki. Is, is he a core? I, I wouldn't consider Brandon Gallagher. He's twenty nine years old. Can you? No, but I would consider right him now? almost untouchable. Nobody's really? gonna want Brandon Gallagher at six point five million. Yeah, no, no, it's it's he's untouchable in in my opinion in two senses. One, no one's touching that contract at least not mm-hmm. at the deadline. You might be able yeah. to trade him in the off season. Yeah. Two, he's kind of your captain he's our yeah if you know, Shea like, retires gallagher's the captain yeah right and so and I then think, once Brennan gallagher's gone you would give it to nick suzuki probably yeah so i think you know i i don't think gallagher's someone you don't trade like i think if someone wants really wants him and gives no, ass, yeah if, trade him. somebody's like we'll but give you a i first. don't think yeah but i think with the contract i don't really see that happening at least not like this year um but i get kieran's point i think it's right like he's not really like the I think the core that you outlined those three players essentially, and you can fit in other youngsters, but is Suzuki Caulfield Romanov. And I can't think of any other players that are kind of at that level yet. They they might, 
Yeah, Tyler to like one or two of Toffoli, Dvorak, and Anderson. Yeah, like they might try to like get rid of one of those guys, but they all have like similar-ish cap hits. They all are known to be playing. The, the problem with these guys is like they all just fall just except Toffoli. Toffoli, in my opinion, has been worth it the entire time, and I've loved it. But like Dvorak and Anderson were like knee-jerk reactions to needing a name player. Yeah, because like nobody knew Josh, at least me as a Habs fan, I didn't know Josh Anderson. But then I would look at the highlights and I'd be like, "Oh, like that's Josh Anderson." Yeah, I've seen him before. He plays really well in Columbus. Then he comes over and he's like, "Yeah, he does one thing. Cool." And then like Christian Dvorak is like, "Yeah, you watch a highlight of like you know the NHL's top 100 goals of the season, and like Dvorak has two of them, and you're like, wow, this guy's really good.'" And you look up his goals, he's like, "Okay, he had four goals, and two of them were really nice." <laughs> you know, like he's a, he's a second line center, nothing more, nothing less, and which is not a bad thing to have if he can just play that role, and if we can have a first line center, like if Nick Suzuki or like if Shane Wright cut, like if we get Shane Wright and he runs out the gate, like sprinting out of the gate, he's like <laughs> next, you know, not McDavid, but like really good, and we can like trust Jack him. As like, yeah, sure, if we can do that, like cool, we can have we can have Shane Wright, Christian Dvorak, Nick Suzuki, like those three, I would be happy with that. Yeah. Because, you know, 4.45 million until 2024, 2025. He's 25 years old. You know, it's not an awful, awful contract. Josh Anderson signed until 2026 at 5.5 is a different story. Yeah. But that's the thing is you can't sell. You really, because Bergevin, those contracts, you really can't trade them. That's why I talked about Drouin. It's just because he only has a year left. It's much more manageable to you know trade him like you like i think if yeah. you're between anderson or i don't even dvorak but maybe less so you're probably having to give up something like i would i, I mean would, it's a cap dump necessarily but you're not just giving him like you're not just getting a third for anderson it's it's thing, a much more complicated trade the thing with anderson he, he has a modified no trade clause as well oh god yeah yeah so yeah. well it's it's an eight team no trade list so as long as we're not trading into like Buffalo. a garbage team he's probably going to be fine with it yeah right so i yeah I, th- I think for you guys it's just you know recoup assets i think weirdly enough next trade deadline and this offseason is much more interesting because, way way bigger because it's where are you guys going forward right are yeah. you completely trying to re like rebuild so you trade anyone that gives you any sort of asset right um, yeah like because we do not have we do not have a lot like past next season. We do not have that many players signed. Like at that point, Cole's going to be on the last year of his ELC. So he'll get signed for sure. But like Lekkonen's an RFA pocket's going to be gone. That's not an issue, but like you have a bunch of these guys that are playing right now. And even like all of our defense core needs to be, Resigned other than yeah, Pete. or yeah, Div- uh, Savard and Petrie are both signed, but like everybody else basically needs to be either signed or fa- find another guy. Like, what they might do is they might sign Kulak, sign Romanov, maybe even Cal Clegg because he's been playing pretty, pretty decent. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't sign Kulak, he's good, but like, I'd trade him now and get something. Like might as well. Fair. Yeah. If, if you can get like, something from him, but like, like so like say they keep Savard, keep Petrie. Petrie, first of all, needs to remember the game that he's playing. It's called hockey. <laughs> he needs to move. He needs to do things. <laughs> and then, you know, you get rid of Sherratt and then you have 
but you'll have guys like, you'll have guys coming up like Gooley might play for you guys next year yeah we still have um, Edmondson signed Edmondson. which Edmondson yeah very unfortunately has been away from the team because his father recently lost his battle with cancer um but um but yeah and like you have you have guys signed like in the NHL like because of contracts and everything you rarely have like your whole team signed in two years um mm-hmm. but I, I I I think you guys will be fine I think it's just more like, do you just essentially say we're not going to sign anyone this offseason that isn't like, you know, kind of a short term stopgap or just yeah. signing our RFAs that we like, you know, like. Yeah, I, I don't I don't think there's any UFAs they should really go for either. But also do the, you then trade off guys or do you just say, OK, let's just keep the guys we have, see if we can be a, a playoff team, maybe. And just I don't I don't think be- that's the move. I don't think you can afford to like stay pat necessarily. Yeah, I just it will just be interesting to see what they do. Um, do you, Kieran? Do you want to move on to the World Juniors? Well, I don't think we need to say much about the World Juniors, other than yeah. uh, it's unfortunate the tournament was canceled. Although it it could come back, we we don't really know yet. Although it seems like it will be permanently canceled. Um, but I would just like to take you know instead of talking about the negatives, what was one positive that you guys liked from the games that you guys watched? And for me, it was when. I think Germany played Czech Republic and Germany beat them. That was a really big highlight for my dad and I. We really enjoyed watching that game. Uh, not the best hockey that we've ever watched, but it was a lot of pride to say that Germany is finally, you know, getting better and we're we're growing as a you know hockey nation. And I mean, truthfully, hockey is not up there in terms of some of their higher or more important sports. But it's it's nice to say that they are growing and that they they're having more and more players that are actually competent. Um, so yeah, that, that was a big highlight for me, my dad. And, and I would say you guys were missing Stutzla who would have been, you know, a crazy. Well, yeah. Stutzla, the, the guy that there was, um, there was a, uh, I'm free. No, I'm German, German hockey's coming up. Like Moritz cider has been sick in, in uh, Detroit. Um, Stutzla, mm-hmm. There's a couple other guys that I can't think of the top of my head that have been talking. Like Spar- Spartacle, I can't remember. What? No, there's yeah. another guy. There's another guy that got drafted fairly high up. Oh, JJ Paterka. Paterka, Paterka is the guy that yeah. I picked. JJ Paterka is pretty good. Yeah. So, anyways, good good for German hockey, and um, I mean, I always find the World Junior Games always super exciting, even if it's you know, you know it's just young kids playing. So. I liked um, – it was nice to see, like, the evolution of – you know, Team Canada has always been solid in every sense of the word, except, you know, the years when the NHL can do the Olympics. But it's always nice to see the World Juniors play well and competitively, and it's fun to see who the next – like, you look at Team Canada and you're like, all right, who's going to be the next – like, who's going to carry us to victory these next couple times? And while Connor Bernard absolutely showed out, and I liked Caden Gooley because I'm a Habs fan and stuff like that, I loved watching Mason McTavish. Yeah. Every he time that – every Very time – he has the puck on his stick. You're like, you're watching from a bird's eye view and you're like, I have no idea where this guy's going. I don't know what he's going to do, but it's probably going to be interesting. So I'm going to keep looking. I, I, I really liked him just on like watching him. I like that John Kent Johnson. I think he was like a fifth or sixth overall pick, like silky hands and super like good skater. And he's, he just looks like electrifying, really like fun guy to watch. Like McTavish is that like guy yeah. you love to watch in the playoffs, like yeah. really good hands, but just well, like, Looks like a rugby player, you know, just watching McTavish early. and like thinking about like him and Trevor Zegers playing together for the next like six yeah. to eight years is something like that's going to be an insane combination at some point. Yeah. And there are like already kind of is, but man, 
Yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of cool stuff coming up in the future of hockey. A lot of good players. And and the skills just getting better and better in my opinion. So like which is I think's great. You know, Tortorella might not like it, but uh, uh I, I think I, I think you know the skill is so great right now. Like and like most sports, it's just evolved and people have got better and better. So um yeah, yeah. it's been awesome in the world juniors. Um, clearly the IHF is not run very well, um, but mm-hmm. let's not talk about that, but hopefully um, it gets played in the summer, maybe the, the world juniors and hopefully, hopefully the women's tournament also runs. Yeah. Yeah. I want to watch especially, that too. If, especially if the men's runs, they, yeah, better, if they, they, they better have, have the women's tournament. I, I, I can't insane. so stupid. Um, Speaking yeah. of the game getting better and better though. So Ovechkin 754 goals, 1,200, 230 games he's 140 behind Gretzky is he he gonna make it he's 36 you guys think think he's gonna break the record uh this is where the fact checker has to double check that that he hasn't scored since no I'm 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 reading off my script so I'm sorry yeah I know it's it's my script too no he hasn't scored since I made this um yeah no uh I think I think you can probably say he's the best goal scorer ever um I was looking at the rate of goal scoring. It's about the same as Gretzky. And this year, I think he's at 0.73 a game. His career average is 0.61 goals a game, which is just... He's been getting better with age, which is insane. Yeah. Yeah. This year... But the other thing is he signed that long-term contract for a reason. You know... He Once wants he it, yeah. That contract, he's going back to Russia or he's yep. retiring. Yeah, like, I think he wants to retire is, in Russia. Yeah. yeah, it's like this is his goal to, you know, get to that point, and he will. I mean, and if he's like 10 goals shy of that, then he'll sign an extra year. He'll sign a one-year deal. Yeah, and I think yeah, 100%. he'll be more than happy with for that. Absolutely. And it, it's not even like, you know, some people could get worried that a player at this age, you know, it's hard to see a player, you know, continuing to get to be consistent, but you know, Ovechkin just needs to be in the right spot at the right time. And he has that. Isn't he averaging more hits per game too? Yeah. like Uh, (laughs) He's he's hitting more people. He's not slowing down. So he's going to get that record. You know, Gretzky's already made the comment and saying that he's the best goal scorer of all time and that he will break my record. Mm -hmm. And I, I can't foresee Ovechkin not beating it. What's yeah. insane to me is like Ovi's been in the league for so long, over 1,200 games, and you can still find highlights of him from last week standing at the top of the circle completely alone. Yeah. yeah. Like you would think by now that every single coach and player and person who's grown up in the league going like, oh, my favorite player is Ovi, my favorite player is Sid. It's like, you know, that you just just be there why are yeah. you not, you know that's what's gonna happen right yeah. and people act surprised when he claps it in and scores They're like well why didn't you get a goalie it's like you know he's gonna do it just get a guy on him and like there's always openings elsewhere so it, it's well, always of course you know, like that's you know how a power play works but like yeah it's yeah. Ovi. like who cares like yeah let whoever else have the puck in that corner put a guy in front of Ovi because you know he's gonna score and you know backstrom's gonna always find them oh for sure you know those are two things that always go together backstrom will always find ovechkin the one thing i would also say is like not that he like it's he didn't play in the dead puck era which was like kind of the late 90s early 2000s but where there was like very little scoring but at the same time like he like gretzky you know he scored in the 80s when like games were 10-4 right yeah 
And, yeah. and yeah. you look at him and like, I, I just did a little bit of research for this prompt, but like after his 1991 season, which is essentially like OV at 30, uh, I think he was like 30 or 31, you know, he only averaged 19 goals a year because he mm-hmm. scored so much when, you know, everyone was scoring. Right. And he was obviously like leaps and bounds better than anyone else. I'm not trying to diminish him, but you know, Ovi's been so consistent and in a, an era that it wasn't like other than maybe 0506, where the, the goal scoring was kind of crazy that year. Jonathan, mm-hmm. you had like 150 points or some crazy thing like that. Um, other than that, you know, he's basically grown up and played in, a, in an era that was, you know, mediocre goal scoring. Right. Um, and he's still put up just gaudy numbers. Right. Like, I think the lowest season he's ever scored, he he's got above 30 goals in every year that wasn't a short season so which is insane like absolutely his, insane his worst year in a like an 82 game season is 33 goals that's like oh, half of the goals, nhl's career goals. years yeah yeah <laughs> so it's just absolutely ridiculous this guy's just a beast and his yeah. highlights are way more fun to watch too like yeah. no offense to gretzky but oh man there's nothing fun to watch there yeah. We also grew up in the era of Ovechkin, so I think oh, we also sure. have a little bit of a yeah. The only NHL spot. game I own has him on the cover, so exactly. exactly. Yeah. NHL we have a little seven, baby. Ovechkin. <laughs> Alrighty, uh, do we have any more fun little things, or we? Uh... Well, I I had one debate, which I I mean, Olivia, you can take if you want. It's whatever you want. Like, ask you or take the question. All right, do you guys think McDavid is the best defensive player? Or, and, or, wait, whoa, whoa, sorry. Let me read that one more time. I, I, my question was, is he better? Okay, go ahead. Than, <laughs> is he better than Crosby? Um, like, I, I, like, as an offensive player, is, is Connor McDavid better than Crosby? Or you could say just, is he an overall better than player than Crosby was at 25? Um, I did a deep dive of Crosby's numbers and they had similar it, numbers, didn't they? They before Crosby got the concussion when he I think was like 23, 24, he was putting up numbers very close to McDavid at the same age. Um, I think then he got a bit derailed. Um, I don't mean he still was awesome, but because of the concussion, it, it took him a little bit to kind of come back, right? Um, so I just think, do you think Sidney Crosby is a better player than Connor McDavid at 25? And I, I mean, I can bring up the stats. I think Connor McDavid is a better player for playing on a worse team because let's the Oilers are nothing like what the Penguins were, even with Crosby. Yeah, but I think Crosby is way more. No matter what McDavid does, unless he does something like really, really crazy, at least with our generation, like people our age, Crosby is going to be more iconic every time. Because, like, yeah, like, McDavid can just dangle four dudes in the regular season and go bar down, and we've seen it happen, and it's kind of weird that we're, like, used to it now. We're like, yeah, whatever, that's just McDavid. He's more flashy. He's more flashy. flashy. But nothing will ever be as iconic as, like, the golden goal and all those things where he represented Canada because he was given the chance to, at least as as a Canadian. I think that's awesome. I don't think McDavid's really going to be able to have that level of – like obtain that level of like hero status unless he brings the cup back to Canada and like goes on a tear and like goes back to back or like wins like three in six years or something like that. But he's also not on as good of a team Mm. flat out. Like McDavid and Dreisaitl put them in any non lottery team. 
and holy shit, you have an insane like yeah. if you drop them on any other team, almost it's insane. It's crazy. Even a mediocre team. Yeah, I I I completely agree. For me, the like the way I see it, it's you know I think in a weird way because hockey's become much more analytically based. We have the numbers to an extent of how McDavid isn't. I mean, he's such a great five on five player because he's so good offensively. But as mm. a defensive player, he's 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 definitely lacking, right? Like he doesn't back check as much. He's not kind of hard on the puck in the defensive zone. Now, you 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 know, I think you can give him a little bit of a credence for that just because he's doing so much for you offensively. It's hard to be like the best defensive player or the greatest. But I think. I think overall impact and winning a hockey game in a tough playoff series, I'd rather have Crosby because he was one of the best defensive players ever. Right. He was absolutely amazing. Such a good hand, like such good hands, you know, he mm-hmm. was so strong he on went the face offs. Yeah. He, awesome oh yeah. Face off, you know, and I like David's face off numbers actually, are they good? Or I'll, no? I'll think they're Not, great. I'll check one second, but just overall, I think, I think for me, it's like, talking about different kinds of players and i mean obviously they are but it's about it's he's right now at his career high and it's about 52 percent and he's never been over 50 before mcdavid on on faceoffs mm-hmm. um so mm-hmm. I, I i think with mcdavid i think he's a, a better offensive player just kind of dry, like leading to goals he's probably slightly better just because of how fast he is and dynamic um not that crosby isn't but i think Overall, who do I want in a game seven to win me the cup? I'd rather have Sidney Crosby because if I get a goal, I know I can prevent another goal. Um, I also would say, as, as Olivier said, is if this team was managed half decently, oh my God, they'd be, they'd be like cup contenders. And I think Dreisaitl and McDavid would be crazy. And also, if refs realized, you know, Dreisaitl and McDavid are crazy. They yeah, yeah, no, no, they, they are. But like, if they also refs, realize hey maybe we should call penalties when guys grab onto mcdavid in the playoffs yeah i don't that's this is a whole other discussion for a whole other show but i do not like the what has been shown and like proven by tim peel saying like the payback call whatever they whatever term they use like the i'm gonna call those guys because i called you earlier and as somebody who has ref before in like beer league rec hockey i know what happens yeah. Like sometimes you call something and you're like, oh, maybe I shouldn't. That was kind of soft. And then another guy is like, you know, half an inch over and you're like, oh, there it goes. Yeah. But it shouldn't happen at the pro- it shouldn't happen at the professional level. When I was getting paid minimum wage to do it in a school gym, it might have been a you know, it could have passed. But when this is your whole job and you're like nationally televised, it's like, come on, figure it out. But, but I think it's just more like, you know, in that playoff series against the Jets, McDavid drew zero penalties and like that, which is insane. That's not right. And the there was like triple overtime. There was, you know, all that. Right. And, and, you know, the Jets played great defense, but not that great defense. Um, So there's great defense and there's just like the hack a shack with McDavid. Yeah. yeah right. So I, I think, you know, I, I think he's a better offensive player just because like his stats the past two years are just like ridiculous like better than any stats that Crosby ever had um, offensively. But I think who do I want? I'd rather have Crosby just because he's such an all around great player. He's just, there's no flaws. Mm-hmm. Right? One thing that I do see with, well, Sidney Crosby has a really weird laugh. So let's not forget about that. Um, one right. thing that I will say about McDavid is that like, he's doing a really good job of carrying the torch for like 
young players to be interested, young people or just people all around to be interested in hockey. Yeah. Because like you, somebody's like knows nothing about hockey, and you go, look at all this. This is a fun game, and then it's like, okay, look at this one guy do everything at once. Yeah, and then you show them a highlight package of that, and they're like, that's insane. Like it's crazy how he can do that, and it keeps people engaged. And I think that's good for the game. Um, he's incredibly boring in interviews, but that's like oh, 90 ninety so percent of well, good Crosby players. Crosby is too. Crosby. Yeah, is no, no, no. Like I feel like good- most sports players are are. Uh, the okay. best person, hockey, the best hockey, person all hockey interview. players are like born and just fed culturally to be give the most boring bland interviews ever the best the best person to interview is like a fourth line grinder that's ryan been Reeves. in the league forever yeah you interview ryan reeves, ryan reeves. You, get, you get andrew shaw in there and they're like yeah what's up boys you want to talk <laughs> like let's do this yeah, yeah. or just you get a guy who's just brand new to the league yeah, and they're just staring in the lights. They're like, what, "What am I supposed to say?" Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I don't know what you think, Karen. Like, who would you rather have? I, I, I think you want someone that can win you clutch games, and and for me, that that is Sidney Crosby. It, it it doesn't hurt that his resume is what three Stanley Cups, two gold medals, hockey, or like World Cup of Hockey, you know, first place. Uh, con smites heart trophies whatever the whole shebang um i don't think like, as good as mcdavid is until he figures out his defensive uh side of the game and, and perhaps that's an unrealistic point from our part because if he's on a team that can't score unless if he's scoring that's the thing well the other thing too is always be that he can't be there defensively so if, if mcdavid is put on a team that has better defense like crosby was on a team that had solid good ta- goaltending and defense so I, his job, I mean their defense wasn't great like when you have a, a defense core of Latang, dumlin schultz hainsey okay can i please like the 2017 team i've never seen a worse decor their top like defenseman was ron hainsey at like 34 like oh i i got that, who was in the net though? Trevor Who's Daly and so on. No, no, like, they had Fleury and Murray. They played well, but like that team did not have a great decor. They were, you know, the, uh, the it, forwards it's, were good. It's not even the decor that I'm referring to. It's more like, okay, what the hell are the what the hell is the third and fourth line for Edmonton ever doing, or, no. or what's part of their second line doing? I mean, unless the dry is playing on the second line, even Nugent Hopkins, he can he can do his best, but I, thought, I mean, Nugent Hopkins is a 50 point player. Yeah. I mean, he's been getting like 60 points recently, but I see him more That's as like a McDavid. Yeah. 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 So, like, I mean, even then, it's like, what are, there's no real second line, third line, fourth line. I mean, they, they, they got players like Hyman and Fogel to kind of, you know, fill that gap because, you know, well, they're the kind of players. Bodies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they're getting better, but I mean, they didn't, they don't have consistency. They don't have enough consistency there. But then also goaltending is an issue. Like you're not going to win a series with Mike Smith and Koskinen. So uh, bad. So bad. I mean, on top of the injuries that they're getting, um, what Mike Smith's 40 now, like you can't win with a 40 year old goaltender. And yeah, he's not that old. I don't think he, he's probably more like 38. No, he's 39. Right. 39. Okay. Well, there you go. And then Koskinen is not good. So yeah. You know, if you don't have good goaltending and then your defense is meh and then you don't have a third or fourth line. But it's huh. like, but it's like, why are you getting Duncan Keith and why are you trading? Like, I know they got Fogel and the Ethan Bear, but Ethan Bear's fine. Like, why are you trading your, I, I don't. 
because they don't have offense and you needed like Fogel. Fogel is good, but he's not that good. He's like Max. He's he'll, he's grinding. He he'll, he he's like a grinder. He'll get you the puck. But you have like, he's like Hyman in that sense. Yeah, well, Hyman's a bit better. I know what you mean. Better, but but and then you get Duncan Keith and you trade an asset for that. Con- I just I I have no clue. Yeah, I don't get that either because like Ethan Bear is. Better not than a bad is yeah is a like is a good Cody defense. Yeah, freaking CC. He. I'm not saying he can't be in the NHL, but why are you signing him to a long term deal? I I just don't understand like, anything. It, yeah. And then you don't address your goaltending situation. You could have got Darcy Kemper for like a second round pick. Why not do that? Like Kemper's not crazy good, but that he's a NHL what, starter. Like what's crazy about that too is like despite all of this, they are fourth in their division, albeit not a crazy. I don't necessarily think it's a strong. It's not. They're strong. they're slowly losing though. The, they're, they're yeah. Not, they're, they're definitely. They not haven't played as well recently. Like they've lost five in a row, and I don't think that record is turning around anytime no. soon. Which is insane because you have two guys that have fifty three points in thirty four games. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Oh, Unlucky. Unlucky. They 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 just went to a. Uh, you know, I, I always. I, if these players were drafted by American teams, I feel like they would have done like 10 times better. Drysaddle has a 23% shooting percentage. Yeah, insane. You can roll a dice and be less lucky to get a six than he is to score a goal at the NHL level if he shoots the puck. Yeah, yep. God. All righty, well, I think we should cap it there because we've gone on a bit bit longer than we (laughs) anticipated. Um. But thank you to our Habs insider for coming there. I mean, we were talking a bit about the Oilers at the end there. Um, Canadian insider. I've been all over the place. (laughs) (laughs) All righty. Well, we'll be back next week. And thank you, Alex, for being there as always. Thank you, our insider, Olivier, for being there. Thanks, boys. And uh, till next time, take care, listeners. Cheers.